This is Aaron Taylor. Hey, guys. And Rosie Nolan. Hey. They're the co-founders of an organization called Crescent City Crockpot in New Orleans, Louisiana. It's a group that serves high-quality meals to those experiencing homelessness across the city for free. I talked with them about where Aaron got the idea and why they both believe in it so strongly and about how something as simple as a slow cooker can be used to change people's lives. I'm Josh Morgan. My conversation with Aaron and Rosie is coming up next on The Plural of You, the podcast about people helping people. I talked with Aaron and Rosie about three months after they started Crescent City Crockpot. The premise behind the project is that the group cooks these delicious meals in bulk using slow cookers. And then they plan routes across the city where they've seen those experiencing homelessness. They put the meals in single-serve containers and load them into their cars and then deliver them to people in these camps. There's something about their story that I find compelling, and I think what drew me to them is that they're young, and on the surface they might seem like regular people, but they've chosen to spend most of their free time serving others. I mean, they're in a big city. There's all kinds of other things they could be doing with their time, but this is how they're choosing to spend it. And you'll hear them talk about that a little bit. Now, I will say that I have talked with other guests on the plural of you about how sometimes it's better to get involved with organizations that are already established. But in this case, Aaron and Rosie decided they couldn't wait for someone else to solve problems they saw going unresolved. And there's something admirable about that especially since they did their research and took all the proper precautions before they started offering food to people like this. I hope you'll like my conversation with Aaron and Rosie. It's neat because Crescent City Crockpot is totally this DIY thing and it's growing super fast. So if you know anyone near New Orleans, be sure to tell them about it. I'd also like to know what you think. You can email me at josh at pluralofyou.org. You can comment on Facebook slash pluralofyou, or you can tweet me at pluralofyou. Here's Aaron Taylor and Rosie Nolan, co-founders at Crescent City Crockpot. Do you have experience doing this type of thing? Like, have you been involved in other projects that resemble what you're doing now? Yeah, so I got my story when I was an undergraduate at Delta State University. And I started going to communities to ask them about small loans. It was this program they were trying to get started with one of the banks where you would give small loans to entrepreneurs and small rural communities. And that kind of started me off with like realizing from a perspective of a kid who grew up in the suburbs that maybe life wasn't easy for everybody. Then I went to grad school at the University of South Alabama and started the applied thesis program with Chris Freed. It was maybe the smartest thing that ever happened to me because then I was able to work in community gardens. So that's what really got me interested in food and how to use food to help your community and all the benefits of food and giving it to your community. And my parents are also in agriculture. So I saw the possibilities of food very early on. And this was all in Mississippi. Is that right? This was all in Mississippi. So yeah, as a kid, I started that. I started with agriculture, commercial agriculture with my parents. Were your parents farmers? My parents are in agriculture journalism, but they come from crop dusters and farmers in Rosedale, Mississippi. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So at the grad school, I was in for sociology and I was doing a thesis on communities with a methadone clinic. I didn't know anything about it. 
didn't enjoy it. And my advisor at the time was like, if you don't enjoy this, you should do an applied thesis. And I did one with a community garden and volunteers. So that gave me kind of an opportunity to work at uh, Bay Area Food Bank. And they had a huge community garden program all over the town of Mobile. And so I started working with volunteers, figuring out how volunteers work. And now I work for a conservation hunting program during the day that is a nonprofit. So I've gotten to really see how really great nonprofits work. And I wanted to build something like that with food in New Orleans. And Rosie, what's your background? I work for a search engine optimization company now. And I did communications in college. So I did some volunteer work in college here and there. Um, I never really immersed myself in one particular nonprofit or anything like that. But after I moved down to New Orleans, I started teaching. Uh, well, I did an AmeriCorps program when I first moved down here. It's actually what brought me to New Orleans. It's called City Year. And City Year is an intervention program where you are placed in a school and you are assigned to a classroom or a set number of students whom you work with closely to do reading interventions with. And the schools that you're placed in are typically low income. So I was placed in one of the low income charter schools. So you do that for a year. And then after I got done with that, the school that I was working in told me that if I ended up wanting to work at the school full time, that I could get certified. So I did that over the summer. My year in city year really opened my eyes to a more service-minded outlook. How did you both come up with the idea for Crescent City Crop Pot? Like, how did that all emerge? Yeah, so that was me with working at the community garden in Mobile, Alabama. I decided I wanted to do something with that. So I moved to New Orleans, kind of spur of the moment. I moved right next to a community garden, and which was great. So I was like, I'm going to like get involved with the community garden and do all that stuff. I realized I hated gardening. Like, hey, you know, I <laughs> and I had this like whole moment where I was in bed one night, and I was like, you know, I got to figure out what I'm gonna do. I want to do something with food. I want to do something with development and feeding people. So uh, the next week, it was during Mardi Gras, and I was invited to a party, and I was like, well, you know what, man? Like, I love to crock pot. I've been crock potting since I was a kid. My grandmother did it. My mother did it. I crock pot. Never really thought much about it. It's cheap. That's why I love it. It is pretty great. Yeah, I crock-potted all this food, and then, you know, what happened? The party got canceled. <laughs> I had all this food, and I was like, man, like, think about, like, how many meals I could be serving to people. I got to be honest, though, I ate the food for, like, a week and, like, probably threw half of it away. <laughs> but the idea is the important part. I remember I would walk to the quarter every day and just, like, think about it, and finally everything kind of developed, and I got Rosie involved, who became a board member. And our friend Reed Cooper is kind of our head chef that helps with recipes and kind of got everything going. Well, I just know there was one day that Aaron was just texting me and he was like, oh, there's so much I could be doing. Like, I don't know. Like, he sometimes Aaron will text me and, like, send me a lot of texts and I don't respond. But (laughs) one day he was texting me and saying, like, why don't I, like, do more with this, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, Aaron, then just do it. No, when you talk about doing something, quote, unquote, like, what do you mean doing something? Like, Actually organize it and get it together and right. get people so involved we, just, you know. We had one night where Rosie said that. So, like, I came over and was like, we need to buy all this stuff. Like, we bought a box to put everything, go boxes. And I was texting a friend, and she was like, you can't just go out and serve homeless people. Like, you need to be, like, an LLC. You need to have something behind you because if something happens to someone, you're personally liable. So... 
let's stop this for a couple of months. And we had all this stuff and all this plans and our recipes. And I like had a moment where I was like, I need to get this going again. So to start it off, I applied for LLC status through the state of Louisiana. So we could be legally covered. And we're blessed in New Orleans where we can serve food to homeless people because a lot of groups can't. Right. We're using really great ceramic crock pots. Everything stays very regulated, very hot. And then we set up a website, set up our Instagram, went to Walmart and bought the food, went to the Restaurant Depot, which is like a Sam's for restaurants, butter to go boxes and water and hit the streets within like two weeks of getting the LLC status. But why, why did you choose a population experiencing homelessness? Out of all the different groups you could choose, why, why choose them? I was actually thinking about this earlier. In New Orleans, I mean, in a lot of urban areas, homelessness is really in your face. And it's really prevalent in New Orleans. You really cannot drive anywhere in New Orleans without passing someone holding up a sign or being under a bridge that you go under every day or that you pass every day. It's really in your face here. It's just a constant reminder of the need. And there, there definitely there are missions and feeding initiatives and stuff, but we really wanted to make it mobile and we wanted to make it to where people who may not be able to go to a shelter or a mission or something, we wanted to make it to where they don't have to do that for their meal. Our meals are also uh, a really, really, really high quality meal for homeless people. I've worked at soup kitchens. I've worked at food banks. I've seen what people serve. Some of it's really good. You get really lucky, but like our meals are about a dollar twenty at least, and um, we're able to cover a really good jasmine rice, the vegetables or potatoes, a uh, bread, and then like a barbecue sandwich or Italian meat. Or we're able to use Boston butts every now and then, and we also provide a dessert for peppermint and water. And our stuff is really good, you know, like we're very proud of it. Oh, we actually, it's really hard for us not to eat the food that we make, honestly. Like everyone that comes and joins us, maybe if they're joining for the first time, are like, is this for us? Yeah, we love feeding feeding volunteers when they come in. It's so much fun because they eat it and they're like, oh man, this is so good. And then we're like, imagine being homeless. And suddenly we have a volunteer. (laughs) Like we have people that are like, this is really important because our food's good. And we figured out how to make recipes with three or four ingredients. We serve food that we want to eat because that's important to us because that's a part of the community. That's excellent. We hustle hard for it, but people need it because it can change a life. I guess describe the process of putting a meal together. How do you decide where to go, how much to make? A lot of my job is raising funds and volunteers and logistics of having our routes. On a week before, we'll send out a kind of a flyer and be like, hey, who wants the volunteers? And we'll get our volunteers together and we'll separate them in different groups. The night before, maybe like 48 hours before, it's kind of a 48 hour process. Uh, we'll go to Restaurant Depot and get all of our food based on like a dish that we found on the internet, like a certain barbecue or a certain like Hawaiian juice, pork butt, or like what kind of vegetables we want to do or potatoes. And I'll get all of it and I will separate it and take it to one house. And then I will take the rest of the food to my house or whoever else is crockpotting everything. So that morning, whoever is crockpotting, whoever is our chef for the day at that volunteer area, will put everything in the crockpots that we provide them and they will cook it. And then that night, everybody comes together after work around 530 and boxes all the food. And then they have separate routes. So like we'll have an uptown route, central city route, or like, 
French quarters, business sister throughout. That's kind of how we do it. And then afterwards, we all get together for a group photo and might meet at like a restaurant or a bar and hang out. And how many volunteers do you have right now? So we have about 15 to 20 volunteers that we could call on at any moment. We also kind of overbook our vehicles because last minute, you know, volunteers have stuff going on in their lives and they're getting our, their time for free. So if something happens last minute, we still know that we have volunteers at a certain spot. We need six volunteers every week and that can do two different food routes. Like it started off with me, Rosie and Reed and it was three of us and we were getting 30 meals. Wow. it's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's like kind of where my job comes in, which I love because I'm like doing the logistics and trying to figure out who's going to cook, whose house we're going to meet at, who's going to take their vehicle. We have some people who have typically been the same people that right. we go to as far as the cooking, because there are some, we have some friends you know who maybe work in the service industry who have different schedules, don't have a typical like eight to five, nine to five. So they might be off on a Thursday afternoon and can like, be the people that we can rely on right. to put everything in the crock pot. And then by the time we're off work, it's ready to go. So we'll have all the, we'll have everybody meet over at like 530 at their house in Uptown and then my house on the seventh floor. Yeah. And then we'll hit the road Fox. by, we'll hit the road by six or a little after. So you do this in the evenings? Yeah, we do it in the evenings where, because the time change happened, we're going to be doing it like this Saturday at 3.30. But I mean, that's just, we're trying to kind of figure out with the time change, how comfortable we are having a whole bunch of people out late. Yeah, because there are safety issues. Right. Yeah, and the serving after dark is a little nerve wracking at times. So right. we're trying to make it, at least for now, make it to where we're serving when it is prime daylight right but we're also getting on like some safety vests and flashlights this month we might feel more comfortable having people out on a thursday but now it's like a time has passed we're like okay we're comfortable with nights again you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and we're like under the interstate and we're dealing with a population of people that like do have addiction problems and like do you have mental problems based on society like i mean it can be it can be pretty scary. Like sometimes people are having a bad day. Well, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people that are suffering from mental issues and that might have a lot to do with the reason why they're where they are. And so. And that's a big thing for us. That's why we're kind of being like gray area with talking about that because our big thing is like, we're not here to be a psychologist or try to like offer you help because we like, maybe we would give bad advice. Our goal as Crescent City Crockpot is to provide you really great meals if you're stuck somewhere. Do you have a bigger goal in mind? Or is just for now, it's, I guess it's to feed as many people as you can reach. Yeah, so Pensacola has caught on to this, and they've already done one round. So, sure. I mean, it would be great once we hit nonprofit status. We're going to start getting some pretty big grants next year is our goal. I mean, I don't know money-wise, but I know we've already been offered a couple thousand dollars. That'll make a big difference. Right, yeah. So, And, you know, for what we're doing right now, for $5,000... Well, because how much is a normal trip that we we spend less than $80? Right. We can do everything for about $70 comfortably. I know I can do 65 meals. We can comfortably do 45. And once we hit nonprofit status, that's going to go down even more. Because we'll get a lot of the stuff for free from food banks. A lot of the fresh stuff. Like, I'm not going to use anything left over. So when you make a, a grocery trip, say when you spend anywhere from, I don't know, 45 to, to 60 $70, how many people can you feed with that? Our meals are anywhere from like $1.08 to $1.25. So 
I know at the end of the day, regardless, I can feed about 60 people. Sometimes we get 75. Sometimes we have a lot of volunteers and they're really hungry. We'll have 55 to 60 meals, which is okay because the volunteer totally should get a free meal. Comfortably, I know I can do 30 meals at each house. And, you know, that depends on, like, I've had to get into, like, how much pork is that week? Pork bite. Like, that's a really great thing for us because it's cheap. But sometimes we'll decide to do chicken, so that costs me more. I never would have thought of that. Yeah, and, you know, like, vegetables. We were constantly switching it up. Like, we did ranch potatoes last week as the vegetables. We might do greens. Like, one of our favorite things to do is corn and green beans in a crock pot that are canned corns and green beans, and we use garlic and, like, a stick and a half of butter. It's so good. And it's something like your grandmother would make. And our, <laughs> you know, which is a cheap, it's a very cheap meal to do that, and it's, like, very good quality because we mm. use a lot of butter. <laughs> <laughs> butter always makes it better. Right, absolutely. It's, like, quality in a crock pot. <laughs> so I know it's only been three months, but do you have any memorable experiences or favorite stories? You know, something that's kind of illustrated why this is worthwhile. Right. So our, our big thing is, you know, we're like always on the hustle with this. Every week. We pull over to the side of the, of the street and like get out and get it, like get in, get out as fast as possible because we are possibly stopping up traffic. We just like turn on the emergency lights, like pull over and sometimes in like inconvenient places. But then when people see that we're like giving out giving food. Out food. They, don't, yeah, they yeah, don't. Yeah, New Orleans has been actually, that's a really good point. Right? New Orleans has been really good about Except that. Except they'll, they'll take pictures and, and like be like, oh, bless you. And like, yeah, right. like, so that's always like humbling. Like one time I was like next to a street car driver, right? This is one of my favorite experiences. And he looked over at me and he was like, hey, man, like you're blocking up traffic, but I see you're giving out food. Like you got any box for me? And I turned around and gave him, Muda made such a great photo. I turned around and gave him one of the crock pot boxes with the food and a water. And everybody on the um, streetcar started like clapping. <laughs> because the streetcar is, yeah. But when it comes down to feeding the homeless, we are here to like specifically give you a good meal that you don't have to worry about going somewhere to get it. The most important moments that I can have as doing this is when people are under the interstate. They're not next to a road and they're either sleeping or going through like withdrawal or like having a breakdown. And for that moment that like I can bring them a really hot meal, a bottle of water and a peppermint, which I think just makes and people feel get, like a human and they, they can't get anywhere. They can't get anywhere that night. They can look up and be like, Oh man, like, thank you. Like this makes my night a lot easier. Mm-hmm. That is when what we are doing matters. I feel like you both wouldn't be doing this if you didn't have some deeper compassion for people. That's kind of where it starts, is, uh, but also realizing, knowing like what our really great qualities are. And also, even having done this really opens our eyes more to even more issues. We've had volunteers come back in tears because a homeless person has told them people don't see us as people. There's so many things happening to homeless people all the time that people won't know about because in a homeless person's eyes, if they're to go to the law about anything that happens to them, right. it's not going to matter because they don't necessarily, in their mind, belong to anyone, belong to anything. Right. It's already really a sad thing to witness, but then when you hear about everything that... Murder on murder. Murder, yeah. Right. Rape on rape. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, and don't, the things that don't get reported because... 
they don't have a place to live. They don't necessarily think that they belong. So there's just so many more things, like inhumane things that. Right, like living under an interstate with like your cat and your cat doesn't yeah. have any food or like water. And, you know, we've started to like bring extra food for those situations. A lot of the people that we encounter do have dogs or cats. Mm. People have a lot of animals here. <laughs> yeah. We have those kind of stories. Those are, those are like what we go with. It's really hard out there. Right. Again, I, I, you are sort of new to working with this population, it sounds like. So I'm wondering what you've experienced so far in, in working with those that are experiencing homelessness. What would you like for the public at large to know about them? It's kind of cliche to say this, but empathy. I know that I've had situations in my life before where I didn't have a place to like spend the night if I was in a town that I didn't live in. I try to imagine what it's like. They don't even have, you know, a car to sleep in. And a car, not in, a car is an, a, a shelter. These people are so down and out that they are, real, I just can't, I try to imagine what it is like to call underneath a bridge or the plate or interstate or anything where I sleep. Yeah. That is hard to think about. It's like queen size beds out there. Right. Like, well, they're mattresses and stuff. At, at the same time, you are constantly not only making that your home, but thousands of people are seeing you every single day, driving past you, judging you, thinking, oh my gosh, like, how did that person end up like that? They must be a drug addict. They must be this. They must be that. And it's not always that ever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really not. You know, a lot of times it is addiction, but sometimes it really is things that are out of people's control, people not having support, and it can be so many different things. And I guess one thing I would say to the public is that it's not just because a person is homeless does not mean that they are a degenerate or... Right. And it shouldn't even matter. because It doesn't matter. But... Yeah. All these, like, negative things that they have to feel, and it's like, why are we, like, why can't we just concentrate on trying to help them constantly not just one time a, a year after like thanksgiving and give our leftovers over you know it's like right well, we're spending so much time at like bars you're like going home and like watching netflix but yeah. there's so much we could be doing yeah and uh, it's, it's I mean, true yeah and it's not possible to help everyone all the time right. but the more that we do this work it, the more that i pass people in other cities too i'm just like that could be me Right. I mean, that could so easily be me. I could so easily have, you know, an addiction problem or a mental issue that I don't have any control over, and it got me in this position, and people look at me like I'm a freak. Right, and all it takes is one of us to, like, suddenly have a hospital bill, and, like, we're financially ruined. Exactly. Oh, my gosh, or a mortgage. Or, so yeah. To lose our job and, you know. Being in debt, anything, yeah. That's true. So you both started Crescent City Crockpot or you're both working on it because you kind of took the initiative on your own. You want, you saw an opportunity to help and you seized it. I was wondering like, what was that spark that made you think, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, when you have big ideas like this, you know, there's always some hesitation. Like I'm wondering what did you have to overcome in your own mind? Aaron is one of those people that you have to just be like, just do it. And like, he will. And I swear he's like talked about it for a long time. It took me a long time and then to, like, there was one day out that out I was just like, why not just do it? And he was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I like moved to New Orleans and I didn't want to join like a Mardi Gras group or anything like that. And 
I realized that like there was this really sad repetitive cycle to me where I was just like maybe going to the bar a couple of nights and then or like going out and then I was like I felt like a pig that was <laughs> able seriously watching like bad TV. So I saved up I saved up some money from my paycheck and I paid for the LLC and I had two crock pots and a rice cooker to get this thing going. I didn't want to just sit around. I wanted to do something more that like really benefited the community. I went to a blood drive once in New Orleans and like everybody was like drinking and hanging out and giving blood. <laughs> I was like, at a bar, <laughs> like a bar, and I was like, "You guys aren't doing it. Like this is like you could you wasted so much time and resources just like to set up a party on a Sunday." I was really distraught over that actually, and I was like, "There's got to be a better way to do this." And I knew I wanted to do something like this. My best advice is find something not necessarily that you love, but something you like to do that you think other people can benefit from. You know, it's like lawyers. It's like lawyers, right? That are in like law, like or people that are going to law school. Or like, even in any industry. Yeah, any yeah. industry. Or like English major. Go to the library and help people with resumes. That's a huge thing, man. Have you ever seen, have you ever gone to the library in the middle of the day in an urban population? Everybody's applying for like homes and like veterans programs and like crazy stuff. And I don't know how good their handwriting is, but I always need somebody to like look over my stuff. Every That's time I see a press release go out, I get Rosie to look it over. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody needs to like help them look stuff over, especially if you're applying for like a job. So I mean, yeah, I mean, people, especially unemployed people, if a person is unemployed because they don't have enough credentials or education, they obviously would need somebody. To help them, to help them figure out, yeah, how yeah. to apply in the first place. So I thought they're kind of a program we could talk about starting <laughs> next year. It's to do help people with resumes once a week at a public library. But what I'm trying to get out, like, it doesn't. I think people overthink stuff like this. Like they do art or songwriting or anything else where they think, oh man, like, how am I gonna? I gotta overthink this. Just like start a crockpot. Yeah, it gets that easy. Start a crockpot. <laughs> There was a quote I heard the other day that's really stuck with me, and I think it applies here. Don't let the perfect get in the way of the good. That's right. So absolutely. Good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because we can't, we don't have time to be perfect. <laughs> we have like other jobs. There's like a whole list of stuff we can do right now. This is not our full-time job. Right. Right. Uh, anyone, anyone that works or does volunteering with us, it's not their full-time job either. But you care enough to be out there when you could be doing other things. I mean, you can get a lot of fulfillment out of your nine to five, but I can go to sleep very comfortably with the fact that like, I didn't just do the job that I'm hired to do. A lot of people take a lot from New Orleans. At the end of the day, like, I don't feel like I just like went to a bar and like took art from New Orleans (laughs) or like listened to a jazz band and literally took art from New Orleans. We are like immersing ourselves in it. We're trying to immerse ourselves in New Orleans the best way. And trying to get everybody involved. Not just go to work and then go home. You're trying to be a part of the community. Right. And the best way we can. Because, like, I want to, like, be immersed in my city and, like, do good things for it. Not mm-hmm. to take away from it. Well, yeah. And also, New Orleans, if you're going to be in a city where you're going to hang out at the bar all the time, definitely a good city yeah. to be in. <laughs> it sounds stereotypical, but New Orleans is a lot. There's a lot of partying in bars, partying, whatever, that is a part of the culture. And if that is all that you're doing, doing. here. What are you doing? Yeah. You're taking away. Because there is, 
so much more. But There's there so is that is a part of it, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that's only one part of it, right? Aaron and I can both attest to this that we can say that we've had times where we look back and think, "What was I doing? Right. Like, what, I a could, of, what a waste of time!" <laughs> what a waste of time. Like, I am definitely in a city where I'm seizing the day and whatever. Say la vie, but I could be doing it in a lot more productive way. <laughs> so we started credits. <laughs> yeah. That was a good thing for us. Yeah, we were wasting time in our twenties, and I just wanted to like do something that really meant something. Where would be the best place to follow Crescent City Crockpot on the internet or learn more about you? We have CrescentCityCrockpot.org. We have our Instagram page. Which is at CrescentCityCrockpot. At CrescentCityCrockpot. And, then, and we have, then we have Facebook. And we've done really well with getting volunteers through our social media. For donations, we actually are using... Venmo. We use Venmo. And then we also have PayPal. Okay. Well, that's all I have. Um, thank you, Josh. So thank much. you for everything. Yeah, I appreciate it too. Have a good night. All right, bye. Okay. This has been the Plural of You, and I'm Josh Morgan. The show's website is pluralview.org. That's all for now. I thank you for being kind today. Take care.